0: Welcome to the Data for Disaster Risk Reduction podcast series. This series is a reflection on the systematic use of data for handling the disasters and effective decisions for post-disaster recovery. It focuses on the role of data at each stage of the disaster management cycle, that are mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. This podcast series would be offering examples of various disasters and the timely decisions taken to reduce the impact of the disaster and minimize the losses. This series is brought to you jointly by CoData, Tomkin and & Taylor, and Center for Applied Geomatics, the Research and Development Foundation. Via this series, we bring to you reflections on the interdisciplinary approaches and the innovative use of data taken by various cities for disaster risk reduction, offering examples of good practices and lessons learned. This is Shelly Gandhi from SEP Research and Development Foundation. Today, we bring to you an episode on data-driven dynamics for resilience, coherence of disaster risk reduction, climate change, sustainable development, and health. In this episode, we have Baban pakruddin Technical Director Tonkin & Teller from New Zealand, and Professor Virginia Murray, Head of Global Disaster Risk Reduction, UK Health Security Agency, joining us from London. Both of them are co-chairs of IRDR, Integrated Research on Disaster Risk, Disaster Loss Data, ICS, and United Nations Office on disaster risk reduction. I welcome you both on this episode. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you. So today we are gonna talk about the early actions and warning actions which are required for disaster risk reduction. And additionally, how important the data is in the entire process and the life cycle. I would like to request both of you to throw light on emerging trends of
1: use of data for disaster risk reduction. Shaylee, thank you so much. It's lovely to be with you, Bapon. This is a marvellous opportunity to share some of the concerns that we've had and how vital data is for looking at the dynamics for resilience. As I'm a health professional, I think I must start by talking about COVID-19, this global pandemic where data has been absolutely critical to our understanding of the impacts, where every country under the international health regulations have been reporting daily to the World Health Organization, where they can, on the data for the numbers of, of cases that have emerged, the number of positive tests, and sadly, the numbers of deaths. But they've also been reporting on the numbers of vaccines given, and I think the vaccination rate is really critical because this is the classic public health message for trying to reduce a disaster. So for us, I think data has been really critical. And that has been an incredible emerging trend in disaster risk reduction, that globally data is needed if we're going to look at disasters. on, how do you feel the health group engaged with all of that?
2: I think we dealt with the emerging nature of you know, current disaster uh, risk reduction field, uh, we need to look about more transdisciplinary approach and engaging with health and also learning from health sector is quite benefit. One of the good examples that we see actually that f- how actually the fair data able to or fair principle actually able to save people' life is the good example of the COVID. I must say that it's', it's, it's an enormous benefit for overall discipline to engage with health discipline.
1: Upon, that's wonderful of you to say that. Because I think often health has not been seen to be the classic area for disaster risk reduction. We know that biological hazards now are fully recognised through the work of the World Health Organisation and the United Nations Office for Disaster Risk Reduction on trying to deliver something much clearer on understanding these hazards. So I love your multidisciplinary approach and your multi-engagement upon. I think it's absolutely crucial. And of course, one of the things that you and I have had the privilege of working on is linking to the UNDRR International Science Council hazard definition and classification report with its hazard information profiles. And there, of course, we identified with definitions, a, a total of 302 hazards that will help. we hope will help to drive clearer understanding of data but also try and bring a bit back, Shaley, to something that I think is so important, which is how do we manage improved early warning systems and what and how we can build much clearer messages for early action. So this is all data-driven, so it's really engaging both on disaster risk reduction and the role of data, but it brings us to trying to understand the trends of these disasters because we will be counting them better, we'll have better understanding, I hope, Shaley. So data really matters. Bapun, any thoughts?
2: And also, I mean, as you can see, actually, a couple of recent disasters that we're actually facing quite cascading, compounding and complex disaster at the same time, and that create quite complex impact. We need to understand the data quite well. We need to collect the observation data. We need to understand the historical data. We need to understand how the big data could help us to better understand the trend of disaster, trend of hazard, and also the nature of the hazard that are going to be occur. Otherwise, we'll be actually quite underestimating the future risk.
1: I agree, Bapon. To me, um, if we don't have all that data, we will be less effective in trying to deal with the issues that relate to the sustainable development, climate change-related disasters, but also making sure that health plays a really important role in this. So I suppose to me, there's an incredible opportunity to have emerging technologies, which increase the ability to create and shift risk and understand how we can do this for disaster risk reduction. So the concept of big data, open data, all the fair principles of a findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable are absolutely critical to how we're going to move forward. So it's a very exciting time with lots of new geospatial and mobile technologies and building these mechanisms so that we have new ways of knowing, understanding measuring and assessing. Shaley, this introductory moment that we have to your series is really exciting for us because we are so anxious that data is really going to be used and really effectively available to all who need it who are going to be making decisions at a local, national and even global levels, as we've had to do with COVID. Yeah, thanks,
0: Eugenia and Bapon. Uh, here, I also want to post another question which is equally important, as we have realized the importance of geospatial data and its impact on, you know, solving problems for disaster risk reduction. There has also been an immense influence of climate change, which leads to a lot of disasters. And th- that's where, you know, the entire sustainable development is required. And data can actually be a very good resource for us to plan how to take steps to avoid major disasters in the future. I would like to know your reflections on this, Virginia.
1: Oh, Shaylee, you ask a question that I, I feel very, very concerned about, and I thank you for such a wise question. But I'm not sure we have the answers. When we were doing our work with UNDRR and our 40 or so links to UN and other international organizations, we asked, is climate change a hazard? And we were very clearly mentioned and told that climate change is a driver of hazards. This came from the World Meteorological Organization, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and even from United Nations FCCC. So we know that all these different organizations feel very strongly that climate change is merely, merely, no, that's the wrong word, surely, will increase our really worrying risks for the number of hazards. And Shaili, you're based in India at the moment of course, and they've had this terrible heat wave, which has caused us such concern around the world. And we've been really worried that this is just a marker of what will happen to more countries more often. And even here in, in, in the UK, we're worried that it's getting quite warm already so early in the year. So we don't know the answers and we just need to really engage with each other better. But understanding climate change, I think, is something that's going to be a really important topic. So the fact that you've got a wonderful session on data for loss and damage assessment ahead where climate will be a discussion point, I'm sure as well. This really points to the fact that we need to build those multidisciplinary partnerships that BAPON has already referred to. Yes,
0: and thank you for explaining this, and I completely understand that Even though if we don't have an answer today, we would definitely want to find one in the near future, because it's one of the most concerning topics right now. And BAPON has been engaging with us quite a lot in looking into how experimental we can go with geospatial data and look into the prediction of the disasters. And that's where I would want BAPON you to express your thoughts on how interoperability and data can be more useful in making early warning systems.
2: Uh, Thanks, Shelley, for for that raising again the question important issues. I mean, uh, one of the things if you look at that, our technology is quite advancing. So we are talking about the fifth fifth industrial revolution, uh, and also that quite well able to understand our nature and society. But you have to understand that whatever actually you put into your model or technology is actually driven by your data. So if your data is not actually quite accurate, your technological result would be quite unpredictable. And that's why actually maybe sometimes we are happening and uh, making us a failure onto the overall system understanding. And uh, the early warning and early action, which is quite strong slogan at this stage, and how to utilize those art observation data for not only for early warning, but also accessing the financing for the country, understanding their risk assessment, uh, understanding their sectoral vulnerabilities. is quite quite popular um, at this stage. And we also need to thank GEO. Art GEO has been taking quite, you know, great initiatives to revamping and applying the actionable research, actionable Thank so demonstration piloting to various countries to see actually how the satellite given data or art observation data linking with geospatial data could able to help to the government community to understanding their risk, understanding their hotspot, and able to, those could be enabled to accessing some of the big financing like Green Climate Fund or other uh, global environmental funding. So that's why I think we are quite able to success, to showcase that how data is actually quite important and how actually, even though you maybe don't have in-situ data, you um, those data could actually help you to better understand the tendency but also on one on the other aspect uh, we need to be changing our mindset into a silo environment because still actually as an organization we always actually work as a silos and we thought that our data is not able to shareable or we we want sometimes to monitor value to accessing the data or sharing the data i think that kind of culture need to be changed we need to be think about the data for global goods data need to be put into more bridging hub platform or native kind of environment so that Everyone has an accessibility. Everyone can be able to understand. Everyone can share because alone we cannot do anything at this stage. We need to be worked together, hands in hand, and and that kind of environment. We need to create a data ecosystem for a better planet.
1: One, I so agree with you. I think your words are very wise. I mean, to me, the rapid technological advances in the area of artificial intelligence, digitalization, and analytical capacity, and the very widespread spread adoption of mobile devices and social media are driving major changes in our lives and have the potential to contribute to all our aspects of disaster risk reduction and to risk management. So these things, I think, are going to be very important. However, these new technologies bring new risks, systemic vulnerabilities that can can be created from the misuse of unintended consequences of the technology. So there's an awful lot more we need to learn. And part of that came through BAPON when we had a lot of people who didn't want to take up vaccination. Uh, almost as WHO called it an epidemic um, where people really got worried that the, the information was not necessarily the most accurate so we've got to learn to use data better and really try and understand how we can move this forward in a way that's really going to help all the people of all the, of the world to try and really deliver the Sendai framework global targets that we are so anxious to engage with.
2: Absolutely and also one thing I think we can we, we learn from this pandemic again like the the vaccine hesitancy is quite common everyone actually understand the vaccine hesitancy but if you look at on the the, the disaster risk reduction fields there is also early warning hesitancy is still there so people actually either don't trust or don't credit those information and they don't want to listen and when they don't listen the consequence is quite um, big and I I think you can easily compare those health sector versus you know the um, the disaster risk reduction sector that how this misinformation or trust uh, create quite havoc within the society. I agree,
1: Bapon. So the fact that you're, Shaili, you're proposing to have a session on the role of community and social media data to expedite emergency relief as part of this series, I think will be a really interesting session to listen to. And I know you'll have some wonderful speakers on that. And it's going to be such an exciting series that you set up for us, Shaili. And it's such an opportunity for us to engage with so many to try and do the reflections and thinking that we need do to make sure data is usable is available to all is findable for goodness sake and that it's interoperable and that we can all work together on it in a way that people feel that we are engaging with them as part of working with the communities which i think will be vital for the future
2: And i I may just like to add together with that uh, data is actually useless if it is not create any information and again the information is not helpful unless it creates an impact on knowledge into the society so um, in our Maori culture, we think everything is interconnected. Our ocean, our art, our land, all are actually interconnected. So we need to be think about that. Everything has interconnected within the society. So how actually we bridge those together. And data is the only only vehicle actually which could be able to help us to linking those.
0: Absolutely. And I'm highly impressed. And I really look forward for the entire series where we are going to look at different examples of how data has been vital and could have, do wonders to the field of disaster reduction climate change and developing sustainable cities. Thank
2: you, Virginia and Papon,
0: for uh, sharing the insights and setting the tone for the entire series.
2: Thanks, Shelly, for inviting
1: us. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thank you, Papon. Thanks, Virginia. Thanks for listening to
0: this episode from the Data for Disaster Risk Reduction podcast series. If you like our podcast and want to know more about the series, check out our website, www.crgf.org and follow us on social media. Please leave a review and like and share wherever you listen to the podcast.